All right, boom. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to The Ventures Matrix once again. I know this episode took a while before me recording it and uploading it, but hey, we're here now, so glad you guys are listening. And I know some of you guys have been sending me requests, uh, no, you know, got to drop new episode. When are they dropping? I've had multiple requests over the past two months. And I mean, I've been wanting to do another episode. It's just time wise. And I definitely don't want to be the type of individual that will just make an episode just for the fun of it. I'm not going to sit here and record about what I did yesterday about me taking a trade or whatever or something like that. So if I'm going to record an episode, I need to make sure I actually have some type of content or content or some updates, which is what this episode will be mainly about. So far, my 2022 update, fun-wise, how the fun is doing, how I'm doing personally, and how everything else is going with my other businesses. So, let's start there. So, for the fund, I know um, a lot of you heard me say it, but I don't think you guys really understood, or I, I don't think you guys know how my fund is basically structured, so... For a guy, for me, I didn't go to an Ivy League school. I didn't go to Stanford Business or Harvard or anything like that. And I definitely don't have an MIT uh, engineering degree, so I'm not some genius, okay? And I also didn't spend 20, 30 years on Wall Street. So the question is, why would anyone, anyone with some type of common sense, trust an 18-year-old when I was 18 when I launched it, but I turned 19, I think, three months ago? So, why would anyone uh, trust a 19-year-old with their money to invest? Well, I don't know. (laughs) Not the answer you guys are looking for, but I honestly don't know. But I feel like if you're persuasive enough and you have a really good pitch deck and it's a really good deal, I mean, if you can make people money, people don't really care how old you are or what you look like, where you're from, as long as you can provide for them. And it's... uh, it's a mutual type of relationship. It's like I give, you take, and then you give, I take. Or just, it's like, um, it's very reciprocal. Let's put it that way. But um, for my fund, like a typical, a typical fund is structured like in a Reg D 506B um, type of type of plan. And I, I don't want to spend or attempt. I don't even want to attempt to explain what reg d is i mean it's just regulation but these are just terms that they use legal terms that is and i'm not um a financial advisor i'm not an attorney so i won't try to explain what these are to you guys i know what they are and to a certain degree but i'm not that good at understanding what they are for me to actually attempt to explain it to you so i know my strengths and weaknesses and these are some of the things things that i had issues with when it comes to setting up the fund and understanding like all the hoops and i had to go through but if you find a lawyer or at least you find a good mentor with me my mentor is is bridger pennington and his dad um, was a co-founder of a deca billion dollar fund and bridger's on his third fund right now he's actually launching a real estate fund this year i have over 100 million dollars under management so he's the guy i look up to and he's the guy that taught me pretty much everything i needed to know to launch my first small syndicate fund you know 
So if you guys are interested in learning more about how to structure funds and stuff like that, it doesn't it, it can it can be a hedge fund, PE fund, a VC fund, anything around uh, <laughs> that's related to funds. I mean, that's his thing. He has a whole podcast about it. I think it's um investment secrets uh, podcast. I, I, I don't remember investment funds or don't quote me but it's something like that but if you look him up on um youtube or linkedin you can put bridger pennington i think he'll definitely help you guys out and that's only if you guys feel um feel like you're up to it you know to trade other people's money like you you shouldn't do this as a hobby and just (laughs) just for the fun of it say okay i'm gonna launch a fund and um and I'm going to try to raise money from my, my, my grandma. Imagine you take 10 grand from your grandma and then you, you blow it. I mean, your grandma doesn't have that much money. You know, now granny's broke. Now granny can't pay rent and just try not to do that. And one thing, though, I know I'm talking a lot right now, really fast, too. But we're trying to get through this and hopefully gets to some of the good stuff um a while back i've seen an individual i think his name's intuition fx intuition he has a telegram chat and in there he posted um he said one of his mentees um had uh just launched a fund and go follow his instagram it was a really i was just thinking to myself well why would he have instagram for his fund because, well, depending on what type of structure he has, let's say if he has a Reg D 506B, he's not allowed, legally, he's not allowed to actually advertise his fund. Although I actually checked the Instagram and make sure he wasn't doing that. And I don't know him personally, but if he was, I would try to DM him and say, no, bro, you probably shouldn't do that. You can get in big trouble if you're trying to tell people through social media to invest in your fund. Unless... Um, you structure it how um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the uh, fundrise. Sometimes you can see uh, an ad pop up on your YouTube video talking about fundrise and how you can invest in properties. The way they set theirs up, I forgot the the term the term for it. It's different from the 506B, and they can actually advertise to the investors. They can have. I mean, you ever wonder why, like the big uh, funds like the KKR. And the uh, Berkshire Hathaways, they don't really have advertisement. You don't see them with billboards. I mean, they can afford this stuff, but you don't see them through YouTube ads now, do you? Because mainly because the top people they're marketing, they're targeting, <laughs> don't spend that much time on YouTube and social media, and they can't legally do that. So caution to him in case he's thinking of leaning that way. I would advise him not to do so. But he's, I'm pretty sure he's a small fund, so chances are the sec won't really notice him but if he goes bigger i mean he might get in trouble but that's a bridge we'll cross when we get there but so far so good he's doing really good actually i like intuition effects i was trying to get him on the podcast and we i think we had set up a date but he couldn't make it he had family issues that's why i'm not well if it's if that's his mentee i mean maybe he knows that he shouldn't advertise maybe he doesn't either way i would try to help him out but He's doing fine. He did, I didn't see anything that was um red flags, let's say. He didn't really... I think he was posting his trades, his chart work and stuff. Just a basic trader. <laughs> trader in Instagram type of thing. 
Now, I know that's, <laughs> that's a lot to unpack, right? But for my friend, the way I set it up is it's a basic um, just LLC structure. It's a multi-member LLC. So the most important thing is, um, well, at least to me, it was setting up the operating agreement. It would be a bit more complicated if it was a hedge fund incubator, which is essentially, I think, at the end of the year, what I'll have to transition to. I'll have to get the, some of the paperwork for that done. But as a syndicate fund, you don't need as much paperwork as you would need if you're an incubator. And as an incubator, you don't need as much paperwork as you would for a full-fledged hedge fund. Eventually, we'll reach that level, but we're not there yet. So for me, I'm in the syndicate uh, phase. So it's a one-year contract, essentially, with my investors. It's not, um, we didn't put that into actual words. It's indefinite how long we're going to be uh, working with each other, but it's basically understood. Okay, give me a year. Let's see what I can do. And if if you don't like how I operate and the returns I'm getting, then we can terminate the contract and you can get your profits and your initial investment and you'll be on your way and I'll go my way. So that's what we're looking at. But so that's very it's inexpensive to actually set it up once you know how to do it so the way i did mine me and my partner is um file for the articles of uh organization or i think that's how you say it so i'm in florida so it's a different website for each state so you should probably check with um your local uh office i'm not sure what office you should check it's all foggy since I, I had to do this stuff a couple months ago. But once you do that, the most important thing is setting up the actual operating agreement where you list all the terms. An actual hedge fund, I mean, there's five, 500 plus pages of a bunch of terms and regulations and things you can and can't do. But when it comes to a syndicate deal, it's a lot less. I mean, you can put a lot of stuff on there and you need to make sure your investors actually read through all of them, see what's going on. And then once they signed, then they basically agreed to what's going on. And for the articles, of, no, for the operating agreement itself, you can go on YouTube, but I don't, it's not very beneficial. On YouTube, you don't really, you don't really get um, all the information you actually need for a fund. On YouTube, they'll teach you a basic operating agreement between, let's say, three partners who are probably doing e-commerce or something like that. But. When it comes to funding and investing, it's a it's a bit more complex. There's certain aspects to it. So if you can afford Bridgers, um, I think a black, I think it's a black black something type of membership, or if you read books, I mean, for me, I had to read a lot of books to actually understand how I I, I should set minds up. I remember I was reading the book and then taking notes of okay, so here's what I need to do, and that's what, some of the things with my partner doesn't even know it's like a lot of people think it was easy trying to come up with how to set everything up but it, it wasn't i mean i had to stay up at like long days trying to get this done and when it when it was finally done everyone was happy i mean i was happy too but then i'm like oh man that's a that's a lot of work right there but it's just there's beauty in the struggle i actually like the process too i learned so much more from actually setting that fund up and um once I got everything set up, got the initial investment for most of, well, for all the the investors, I think there's um, seven of them. And I'll tell you guys how, how much our AUM is eventually, but not right now. 
I'll save that for later. Save the best, the best for later. And and the way, the reason why we're allowed to actually set it up that way is because for us, we don't charge a management fee. That's why the SEC actually allows us to actually um, do it that way. Because it would basically be illegal for a guy like me. Because I don't have the Series 65 license. I don't have a Series 7. I, I don't have any of the Series licenses so far. I I, I, I remember um, I reached out to Stockguard a, a while back. Because he had posted he was um, taking the course um, for... Uh, I think series seven and 60, 63 or 65. And I figured, okay, he seems like a credible guy. Hey, let me DM him and ask him which platform he's using. That way I could, you know, pay for that course and take it to and hopefully pass the, 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 the exam. I DM'd him. He responded like, yo, what's going on, man? He's like, yeah, good. And once I asked him, oh, what platform he's using or, who's who's providing the service that he's he didn't respond and i remember that i felt kind of salty i'm like you serious so you really gatekeeping just me just trying to pass uh, an exam really bro and since then i really um i felt some type of way about that but i realized well he's he's entitled to i guess his knowledge if he doesn't want to tell me what he's using or and but eventually I figured okay you can just I went on um Google, I found a what seems to be a credible team, and they give a training for the exams and stuff like that. And I also found, I think the SIE uh, exam practice book at the library. I found a series seven at the library sixty five. So I have all these books right now, and I'm studying for the exam, which is <laughs> within itself it's it's a lot of work. So you guys ask about you know me releasing another episode it's hard it's hard to do that when i have to trade in the morning i have to do everything i gotta do and another thing i went back to school so i'm back at university guys <laughs> so i went back to school and i'll get in, into why i actually decided to go back but just to finish up i mean he didn't want to tell me but i was like okay it, it doesn't really matter it's like i don't know whether he didn't he I think he read the message. I think I saw he read the message. He didn't respond. Maybe he forgot. There's a number of reasons why he didn't respond. So I just, I dropped it. I'm like, man, I don't really care. I'll find another way, you know? So I'm I'm not like a guy. I'm not entitled. I'm not entitled. He's not, he's, he's not, I'm not entitled to him giving me anything. So I was okay with that. And I moved on. And the other thing I wanted to talk to you guys about is, it's really hard to actually articulate all this because I'm not exactly a fun expert, you know. At the time, I took all the notes I needed and I set it up. And now thinking back, it's like I know all the things I did, but putting those into actual words and understanding how to set them up and how to actually tell you guys how to go about doing it yourself, I actually can't do that. So if you actually want to set up a fund it doesn't need to be a big fund by the way so if you guys just want to do it let's see let's say okay i'll tell you why i'm doing it like you know i didn't i mean i didn't go to harvard i didn't spend 15 years on wall street so but i know one thing though i know i want to be a hedge fund manager sooner or later and right now it's it's happening right now whether i'm i'm managing a hundred million or a hundred thousand hey 
I'm, I'm managing, so people can't tell me I didn't do it. But for me, I understood the best way to go about it, since I don't have these um, these things in my uh, resume, is, okay, let's launch a small fund, get really great returns, and let's do that for three to five years, and hopefully pursue some uh, pursue um uh, some type of traditional education that we actually learn more about how the business work, which is actually why I decided to go back to school, and I'll get that I'll get to that soon, and then you know, and then I'll think about okay I'll I'll launch a a campaign to raise a say five hundred million for my actual let's say ultimate fund the one i'm gonna probably spend the rest of my career on let's say from 25 to 50 i'm 20 at 25 years old let's say actually i have all this this experience from right now to 25 and then i can go to accredited and to accredited and qualified clients and qualified purchasers and actually pitch them a deal on my fund let's say i want to raise let's say 500 million then i can actually do it they can look back for from the past five years oh this kid he's been managing money since he was 18 years old and okay there's there won't be an issue there they, they won't have to question where i come from and what my education is and whether or not i was on wall street and i know i just mentioned um qualified clients and these are basically um investors with a net worth of uh, about two million and for a qualified purchaser they have a net worth of five million and for accredited investor that's on the lower end i have a net worth of about one million and some it's a lot less than that because i think it's between let's say for accredited investors between 250,000 to a million or something like that or at least they need to make 250,000 a year from their actual salary or something like that but just some terms you guys might have to get used to if you decide to go down down the road of um funds and one of the stats i was actually looking at is i was looking at you know all the billionaires and what age they started let's say um warren buffett he raised 105,000 at the age of he was 25 when when he started his fund 25 that's 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 really young and he only raised 105,000 and that's not a lot guys that's that's not a lot at all when it comes to funds i mean uh, a 25 million dollar fund is considered considered really small most funds are let's say 50 million 100 million plus and of course you know a lot of the funds the good ones are in the billions so that let's that's just think about that's where he started and another one of the guys I look up to is Ray Dalio. And he started his fund out of college. He was in college when he started his fund. So I, I decided, okay, I saw the similarities. I saw the, the trend. It's like to be really good at something, you need to start young and you need to start early. So I figured, okay, what's, what's the best way for me to start? Let's start at 18. Let's go really freaking hard. And see where this all ends up and that's one of the concepts i learned from one of my other mentors jordan b peterson which is let's say you you, fo- you focus on one thing you work really hard at one thing for 10 years just imagine how far you would go right so i figured okay i'm eight i'm 19 years old let's 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 try this i i, I like trading i like business 
and I, I'm thinking maybe eventually I'll probably move down um, or up to venture capital. But for now, I mean, I, I love the hedge fund world, you know, and that's why I realized I was very insufficient when it comes to my understanding of finance and how things actually worked. And let's say for a quant fund, which is what I want to set up eventually, I, I, I don't know nothing about quantitative algorithms i know i have no clue and now now i'm just getting around to going to the library and picking up books about quants it's like and i had to i started learning how to code like and i'm coding my own algorithms right now these are all things i I, i'm doing right now so when you guys don't see me posting episodes every day there's there's definitely a reason because i'm working really hard and i love this but don't feel pity for me. <laughs> I love it. And I have a couple other uh, billionaires. All these guys are billionaires, by the way. So Warren Buffett, he was at 25. Ray Dalio, he started his fund at 26. Ken Griffin, he started at 22. Really young. Seth Carlin, he started at 26. Paul Tudor Jones, 26. Jim, uh, Jim, I think his name's, his last name is probably... Chamos, I, I don't or Chan, I, I don't know how to pronounce it, so I'm but I'll probably butcher it. But he started at 28, and David Eborn, he started at 28. So all these guys started their company or their fund in their 20s, all in their 20s, and now they're all 50 years older, or 50 or older. And most are, I mean, Warren Buffett, I'm pretty sure he's maybe 75 plus, right? I don't know his exact age, but it really helps to start early and that's one of the things i have in my on my side and that's an advantage of mine so i set all these things up right so i looked at the stats i I understood okay all these guys started really early so let me start early i know this is a rant which is essentially what i wanted it to be i don't want to write things out and plan everything i'm going to say because honestly it's almost like i'm talking out loud just talking to myself and you guys get to listen to this recording back and i'll tell you guys why i decided to go back to school actually and one of the reasons why guys is because well networking and as some of you may know i don't i don't have um i don't have any social media so my social life is like unless i've already known you uh, from school or something like that or in we live uh, in the same neighborhood or we met at Walmart playing basketball at the gym, then it's it's hard for me to actually make friends. And I'm not exactly a friendly guy either. So that doesn't help. But I'm quite the, 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 the lonesome type of guy. But I realized, well, if, if I want to go far, I need to take people with me. I mean, sure, I want to go fast, right? If I wanted to go fast, I would go alone. And I tried that. And it, it works and it doesn't at the same time. It's like if you want to go fast, sure you can go. You can pass an FTMO account. You can be a hundred thousand dollar trader and be funded. I mean, sure, but when it comes to managing a hedge fund, it's it's, it's literally impossible to not have anyone around you. So one of the things I learned from Bridgers, he went to school as a non-degree seeking student, and he took all the classes that he actually liked he found that was were interesting and would be beneficial to his his education so that's i i'm trying to replicate the same thing so i went back to school this semester 
and um, I'm taking classes. Uh, let's say I'm, I think I'm taking uh, in, intro to business management, entrepreneurship 101, and then uh, intro to programming or something like that. So I'm taking classes that I want to learn about, and it, <laughs> and now in class, some of the things we're talking about, a lot of them I already know since it's finance. Like business management, I read a lot of books about business and and the structures. So I was able to answer a lot of the questions. And the teacher jokes around. He's like, "Yeah, man, next class, next class, you're gonna do this presentation." But a lot of other things, I realized I don't know jack nothing, man. I don't know. I know nada. Like I don't know a damn thing. And it's like, oh wow. So that's how much I didn't know. So. It, and it's, it's really hard for me to conceive the idea, okay, how am I supposed to manage a eight or nine figure hedge fund when I when I can't understand these basics of um, finance? I mean, Adam Smith, he's I guess he's like the godfather of, you know, the modern finance. I, I didn't know who Adam Smith was. And I didn't know about Ad, Adam Smith until I think um, Naval Ravikant, I don't know if you guys are familiar with him, but just really, really smart guy. He's super smart, man. And the way he talks, it's like he's in this flow state where um, he can say anything he wants and everything makes sense when it comes out of his mouth. And he was just talking to how um, Darwin is like the father of evolution and Adam Smith is the father of finance. I knew who Darwin was. I didn't know who Adam Smith was, and I found out about who he was when once I started school a couple weeks ago, and I was like, oh, man, <laughs> there's so much I don't know. And just to demonstrate that, I was, um, I'm taking this course from MIT. Um, it's um, Applied Mathematics and, and, and Finance. So, yeah, MIT, right? Um, so, <laughs> really smart people teaching that class, and I, I'm no genius, but I understand enough, you know? <laughs> I understand enough, and I, I try to keep up with them. And I'm also taking uh, por- applied portfolio management, another course I'm taking right now. So I'm, I'm taking a lot. <laughs> I'm living the life, man. I'm living the dream, though. I'm having fun. I'm, I'm young, no sleep. But hey, who needs sleep, right? Nobody needs sleep. Okay. So one of the first things I realized when I started taking these classes, I didn't understand what a sharp ratio was. It's sharp ratio, and then there's risk to reward. That's one of the very few concepts when it comes to portfolio, applied portfolio management, that actually made sense to me. I I didn't know some of the rest, and let's say um semi variance, beta, beta. If you if you're into um op trading options, then sure you know what beta is. But to a level when it comes to a hedge fund, it's, it's way more complicated than that. And uh, how to do regression analysis positive and negative correlation also that's one of the things i learned from ict not in in a, in a, a lot of depth but I, we all know what correlation is and that's i'm glad i knew that and just actual diverse uh, diversification when it comes to portfolio wise like my my fund right now one of the things i run I, I realize i lack is diversification the fund is not diverse enough and and the pitch deck when i pitched investors it, it, i mean they agree with it but now i realize well that's that's a flaw that's a flaw it's a small fund 
but still I, I need to I need to fix that so that's why I'm like okay there's no problem right now I think we're already up maybe um 12% 12% on our futures account and stuff like that so I don't mind not being that diverse but I know for the future when we run it back when we get more investors on board I'll need to change that and that's why I figured okay let me learn as much as I possibly can right now that way next year I can be a lot better and I can get even greater returns from my investors so these are some of the few things I, I think I that shook me when I realized, well, man, these are important stuff. I, I don't even know what they are. And there is a lot more. There is so much more, man. It's insane. I feel like a, um, like a kid again. It's like when you first learning how to trade. This is, it's like when you try first learn how to trade Forex, for example, it was super hard, right? But this is like 10 times harder. This is like learning Forex again, but this time it's on steroids. But I don't have an issue with it, though, because it's fun. I, I get to learn and I, I'm enjoying the process and, and I, I'm loving it, guys, to be frank with you. And another thing, too. <laughs> OK. <laughs> um, ah, let's see. Yeah, sorry there. I lost my train of thought. It's like whenever I start talking about these things that I'm passionate about, I really lose myself. <laughs> um, but yeah, so these are some of the things that I'm I'm doing right now. Now I'm also taking two hundred hundred k um uh, funded accounts with uh, my forex funds instead of um FTMO. I mean FTMO is great and all. But it's just my Forex fund is cheaper. It's like what's the difference between six hundred and thirty something dollars and five hundred? So it's a hundred dollars I get to keep in my pocket and buy steak and food with. <laughs> That's what I spend most of my money on actually. Um, yeah, so I'm doing that, and let's see what else am I? What else am I up to? And besides that, there's. There's not much else I'm doing. Um, I'm just doing the boring work, actually. There's nothing exciting about my life, for example. Um, the last, the last, I think, exciting thing I did was, um, I think, um, maybe last week. It was like 6 a.m. Got home. Went to the beach and it was like a beautiful weather, man. That's and of course, you know, I, I say West Palm Beach, Florida. You know we're in florida so you know you know that's that's a lifestyle man i'm living the dream so i went to the beach downtown and then i went to um benny's on the beach which is it's a restaurant on the beach so as you can imagine beautiful place i was over there and then one of the homies called and then i and then i told him hey come through he pulled up and we're eating at the beach together we're just chilling just talking man spent like a, i think i spent like three hours because for the parking i think two hours for parking no two hours for parking is six dollars and they charged me nine dollars so i spent nine hours not nine hours but three hours sitting over there just looking at the weather looking at looking at the weather and just enjoying the breeze and then i spent like maybe an hour by myself and then he came i think um 
hour and 15 minutes after I got there and I spent I think about basically two hours just talking to him and then we drove I drove home he got in his car and then I got mine and then we came back to the house but it's just I mean that's really what excites me and before um even going out to eat I just I think I had my yoga mat and I went um just put it on the beach and on the sand and then I was just stretching because I have um I have a dislocated uh, disc in my back. I actually, um, it's quite painful. So I'm, I'm just doing some of my rehab work, and I play football. So a lot of it came from, um, uh, I guess, hits, I would say. And then I did powerlifting. And, of course, I'm district champ, you know. Don't play with me. I think I won first place in districts, won first place, first place on um regionals and then i went to states so yeah you guys are listening to a state contender <laughs> um, yeah i don't know if i sound strong when i talk but i'm i guess i'm decently strong right that's that, that's one of the flex that flex i get to i get to tell people yeah yeah i'm really strong you know i have medals hanged up in my room <laughs> uh, i'm a joke but um yeah so a lot of it is from doing deadlifts and i pulled my back three times um, last year and i had to go to a chiropractor a lot and that didn't help much and then i went back and i was squatting with um one uh a guy i met at the gym i forgot his name he was telling me he goes to um i think uh benjamin benjamin i think the benjamin school it's private school so a rich white kid um well at least his parents are and we're just working out together and i was squatting he's, he's actually super strong he's still in high school he's a senior and i graduated last year so i'm assuming i'm one year older than him and he's super strong squat wise and we're lifting heavy and then i pulled my back again oh man it was it was it was terrible i spent like the rest of the day just laying down in bed i actually couldn't move I thought it was over. I thought I was have to. I was gonna have to call the ambulance and get surgery or something like that. And um, and it was really bad. And one of the, actually one of the things I had to do is um, let's see if I can find the name for you guys. I have um, a bottle of sour bears baked. It's um, it's Delta uh, THC. So um, not exactly uh. A big fan of drugs but it's one of the, it's one of the very few things they're like they're candy they're edibles but they're made out of thc and they actually get rid of the pain well they don't i don't think they get rid of the pain but you feel it so much um less um when i take them and they help a lot they don't help sleep wise which i thought they would help with sleep but they don't but when it comes to pain they help a lot because i remember um i hurt my ankle and i'm of course, I I play sports, so um, just being getting hurt is just part just part of it. So whenever I hurt a part of my body, uh, they would help. And um, I'm actually gonna go to get acupuncture next week and stuff like that, and just trying to take care of my body. And I'm I'm working super hard. So I say I think five days a week I'm working 15 hours a uh, 15 hours a day. And that's that's not even an understatement. And other days I'm working eight eight hours, on average. I'm 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 working. I mean, working. I'm probably let's say I probably spend 
five hours of actively working or and trading and stuff like that and another five i spend learning another five is just theory and i also have school so you can imagine i also have school and i have to read uh, books have to go to the gym have to do homework i have to still learn how to code have to you know all these classes um mit um open courseware the um apply mathematics uh, and finance that and then portfolio management and there are other classes i'm taking so I'm, i'm i'm pretty busy so whenever um i guess my body starts to break down it's scary because i know I, i need this i'm not treating it the, the the i guess the best way i mean i go a lot of nights without sleep i think i spent two days without sleep uh this 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 year already and um uh in january or january i think i worked um almost about 425 hours in in total because i was putting about 100 hours in every week into my craft man like 100 hours every week that's that's a lot that's a lot of hours man i mean i'm working super hard every day all day every day and my investors don't see that my partner don't don't see that my family friends don't see that well I think some some do i remember one of my homies uh, um told me you need to you need to chill you know you're doing too many things at once but he doesn't understand to really be successful one thing um charlie munger you know he's um warren buffett's partner really smart guy too at brisha hathaway he said one of the things that made um warren so successful is the fact that he's a perpetual learner and He's constantly improving and learning different things. And that's why he keeps on getting better and he keeps on finding the next big thing. So I just strive to be like that. I want to be a perpetual learner. And guess what? That's also a thing Naval Ravikant mentioned too. I mean, if um, Charlie Munger is talking about it, Naval is talking about it, chances are it's true. And it's common sense, right? The person that's able to adapt and keep improving in the long run is going to be more successful right so um when i guess if some of you guys are still stuck in that ict mentorship and just want to learn how to trade and order blocks and fair value gaps i mean there's there's so much more to it than that like especially to not just um trading but life i mean recently over the past six months I've opened the door to a whole different world, man. I mean, Forex is nothing. Forex is absolutely nothing. I thought Forex was the end-all, be-all, and then I see hedge funds and quant funds. I'm like, what in the world? And then learning more about VC funds. (laughs) So what? And private equity and learning about that. It's like, man, there is so much I don't know, and I can't learn everything, right? Obviously. I can't have everything. I know that. But man, if I can learn how to speak and write, if I can learn basic mathematics and understand finance very well, and especially mathematics applied in finance, let's say that, and physics, one of the things Naval recommended is just, just reading phys- physics books and actually understanding them. Because I'm, I'm scared of that kind of stuff. I've never read any type of physics. I'm not really good with that stuff. But now that's another challenge for me. It's like if I can understand these things, then hey, trading won't be that hard. I don't really care about a fair value gap. Hey, I know physics, man. 
physics is way more complicated than a fair value gap now, isn't it, huh? But <laughs> so in the long run, it makes things a lot easier once you understand the harder and the more difficult things. Now, the easier things like um, understanding the ICT concepts, they come a lot easier. And I'm actually enjoying his YouTube mentorship right now. It's, it's, it's great. And um, I think two days ago, one of his episodes, he was saying, saying how like he's um bearish the, the S&P or something like that. And he's looking for, for the lows to be taken. And then, well, I think it was yesterday. And I'm like, hey, man, you don't got to tell me twice. If the king of price action says he's looking for the lows to be taken, guess what I'm doing? I'm selling like a, hey, man, hey, man. I just, I, <laughs> I, load, I load up on the position a little bit. But I don't think I did, honestly. Because um, it's a funny account, and it's not the same leverage as it would be um, with a regular account. So I made about 1% gain from the trade itself. And it was it was really nice, you know. So just having the bias. And of course, with all the geopolitical problems going on in Russia and Ukraine. So it, was, it, it just made a lot of sense that um, fundamentally and technically, we were in a bearish market right now. I think it broke the 50-day moving average, which means absolutely nothing to me, but... That's what I heard people saying that. So I just want to say it to sound smart. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, guys. So that's what I'm doing. So I'm, I'm in school. I'm learning a lot. And I realize I'm, I'm really dumb and stupid. I don't, I don't know a lot of things. And I need to know a lot more if I want to be successful in this business. I mean, the guys that I'll, I'll be competing against are 150 IQ type of guys from Stanford so it's I, I can't just be a regular forex trader I need to learn how to code I need to understand how mathematics apply in finance and I, I need to understand and have a sound knowledge and logic when it comes to apply portfolio management it's just so much more than that and um so I'll be doing that and I don't know when exactly I'll be releasing another episode it's whenever I feel like it to be honest but once I get enough requests I get tired of hearing it so I'll drop another one once enough of you guys gang up on me again and start talking about new episodes. <laughs> but for now, I leave you guys with um with this. It's my third episode in the past six months or I don't maybe five months. So I'm not gonna be dropping an episode every week. I don't have that kind of time. I wish I did, and I don't really have that much content. I could I can attempt to teach you guys some of the things I know really well which is actually a lot so don't be surprised i'm quite the the connoisseur if 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 you if i say so myself but i'm not i'm not exactly a mentor i'm not a teacher so but i do want to keep you guys updated with um with my experience and what i'm doing right now that way if any of you guys decide to take on a journey like this or starting some type of new business venture hey you can definitely reach out to me via i think um i don't even know via what so don't reach out to me i don't have social media so you know never never mind i take that back you can't reach out to me but hopefully hearing these words will encourage you and one of the quotes i wanted to leave you guys with is um this it's like a quote i learned when i was 13 years old when i first moved um to the u.s with my uncle i think i was in eighth grade and then i went to freshman okay so 
I was, uh, I think, a, a freshman in high school. I watched this YouTube video, and the guy said, um, what we believe determines um, what we make true. And so far in my short 19 years of living, that's that's played out perfectly. It's like um, I had the vision of raising um, money from people I don't even know and have a fund and trade uh, futures. And somehow I'm doing it right now. <laughs> I had a vision of passing um, my FTMO account one day and of course I passed it. And now I'm taking two more funded challenges and I'm dreaming about passing them soon too. So we'll see. We'll see if I can pull it off. But it's like, I feel like as long as I believe in, I believe in it and my work ethic match. And of course it pays to be patient. Cause a lot of things, um, when it comes to um, success, it's really important that you're patient. So I'm just taking it one day at a time. But I definitely want to tell you guys this, what, what you believe, what you believe, not what anyone else believes, determines what you can actually make true. So um, hope you guys think about that, meditate on it. And um, I wish you the best of luck, good trading, and um, good 2022. It's only, we're still in February, middle of February, or February is a pretty short month, but besides that, good luck to all of you. Glad you're listening. And this has been a blast. I, li- I like talking in these episodes. It feels a bit um, meditative, just um, talking out loud and just hearing my own self speak. is it, it, calming in some sense. So I'm glad you guys were listening to me. This was the Vinci's Matrix, and I'll see you guys later.